0: Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Wednesday, March 24th, 2021. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, you can now use Bitcoin to buy a Tesla. You can now DM anyone on Slack. Intel is now doing what Ben Thompson has been telling them to do for years. What Medium is doing to journalists is dumb. What Verizon is doing with Yahoo Plus is dumb. And is the Chief Impact Officer title a real role or is it dumb? Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Hey, you can now buy a Tesla with Bitcoin. Only in the US for now, but coming to everyone later this year, quoting CNBC. In order to accept the payment... Musk said Tesla is using internal and open-source software. He added that Tesla, quote, operates Bitcoin nodes directly, end quote. Nodes are computers on Bitcoin's network that work to verify transactions and avoid the cryptocurrency from being spent twice. Tesla's image as an environmentally friendly car company sits at odds with the Bitcoin network's colossal carbon footprint researchers at the University of Cambridge, found that it uses more electricity on an annual basis than the whole of Argentina. A 2018 paper published in Nature, arguably the most prestigious academic journal in the world, found that Bitcoin emissions alone could push global warming above two degrees Celsius, end quote. So there's that. Also, I guess my only question is, given the two meme religions the monster ones, of Tesla investing and Bitcoin investing. Who is the bigger winner in terms of bull case scenario from this news? Actually, though, I have another question. Wouldn't you feel silly spending Bitcoin to buy a car only to see Bitcoin potentially 3 or 5 or 10x in a few years' time? Like, Who would do this? Note, for example, what Scott Melker noted on Twitter, quote, Not only can you buy a Tesla with Bitcoin, but the company is not converting the BTC into dollars. They are keeping the coins, end quote. Slack is now a full-on messaging app. Although, wait, Brian, wasn't it always thus? Well, what I mean is Slack is now letting users DM any other... Slack users, regardless of their organization, with a new product called Connect DMs, quoting Protocol. It works a bit like the messaging apps and buddy lists of old. Users send an invite to anyone via their work email address, and if the recipient accepts everything is opt-in, their new contact is added to their Slack sidebar. The conversations are tied to the user's organizations, but exist in a separate section of the Slack app itself. Connect DMs turns Slack from an app for chatting with coworkers into an app for chatting with anyone. It puts Slack on par with both enterprise tools like Microsoft Teams and free consumer services like WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger. Quote, When someone opens up their phone, said Ian Frank, Slack's VP of product, if they're connecting with their friends, they click on Facebook or WhatsApp. If they're connecting with someone they work with, regardless of where that person works, they should be clicking on Slack. End quote. That's a tricky thing to get right, both from a UI perspective and an IT one, but Slack is committed. This has been the plan since before Salesforce bought the company, and it feels even more urgent now. Slack needs this to work, in some ways, as Microsoft Teams and Zoom threaten to leave it behind. By expanding its purview, Slack gives users more reasons to try Slack, gives companies more reasons to adopt it, and makes Slack an even more central part of the modern workday." End quote. Quick note that Robinhood has announced it is filing confidentially for an IPO with the SEC, quoting Bloomberg. The company said in a statement Tuesday that it had submitted its filing to the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, confirming an earlier report by Bloomberg. Robinhood could go public as soon as late in the second quarter, but the timing could change, said a person familiar with the matter who asked not to be identified because it wasn't public. Bloomberg News previously reported that Robinhood was planning to file for an IPO this month. The company has selected NASDAQ as the venue for its listing, people familiar with the matter have said, end quote. So with Roblox now out, Coinbase going public soon— And now Robin Hood, the only one of the biggest of this cohort of unicorns that is still private is Stripe, right? Or am I missing someone else? Nothing like a bull market to really clear the decks. Intel is fighting back, despite all my recent concern trolling. Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger, Says Intel will spend $20 billion on two new chip fabs in Octillo, Arizona, and will reconfigure its external foundry services to serve new chip customers. 7 nanometer, here we come, quoting The Verge. The announcements are part of a new IDM 2.0 strategy for Intel's design and manufacturing, which is made up of three parts. First, there's Intel's in-house manufacturing, which will continue to serve as a key part of Intel's design and production of chips. Second, there's an expanded use of external foundries, including TSMC, Samsung, and global foundries, for production of, quote, Products at the core of Intel's computing offerings, end quote, for both consumer and enterprise chips starting in 2023. And third, there's the newly announced Intel Foundry Services, which will see Intel open its gates to handle manufacturing of chips for other commercial customers, led by Randhir Thakur. Intel Foundry Services is a, quote, standalone foundry business unit, end quote, and it will develop x86. ARM, and RISC-V core chips for external clients using Intel's manufacturing technology. And crucially for government work, Intel's foundries will be located in the U.S. and Europe, a benefit that competitors like TSMC don't have. Partners include IBM, Qualcomm, Microsoft, Google, and more. The expansion of Intel's manufacturing efforts, which include a $20 billion investment into new fabs in Arizona that will expand Intel's existing Octillo campus, come at a critical time. The ongoing global semiconductor shortage means that demand for chips is at an all-time high. Adding Intel's foundries and its new foundry services business could help open up new avenues for companies to source the chips that are essential for everything from new video game consoles to new pickup trucks. Gelsinger also teased that more foundries are in the works, promising additional announcements of expansions in the US, Europe, and elsewhere in the world later this year, end quote. I would posit that what Intel is announcing here is basically the strategy that Ben Thompson has been screaming at them to do for years now. As Marcello Lima said on Twitter, quote, Clay Christensen taught us that in order to self-disrupt, companies must create a separate business unit with autonomy and P&L responsibilities. It's exactly what Gelsinger is doing. At 7x EBITDA, is this Intel's Satya Nadella moment? End quote. Also, by the way, during the event announcing this news, Gelsinger said it would pursue Apple as a client for this new foundry services business. Right now, all those A-series chips and Apple Silicon chips are actually produced by TSMC. So, given, you know, geopolitical concerns, might Apple be attracted to at least having some of its chip production done domestically? Perhaps. But also, hasn't Intel just spent the last couple of weeks dragging Apple with that revival of its Mac and PC advertising campaign? If you really want to convince Apple to let you make their M1 chips, why have you been making fun of them recently? And Shopify can do the same for your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ride, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ride now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ride. Rumors have surfaced that Qualcomm wants to get into the gaming hardware business. Intending to launch a portable gaming console similar to Nintendo Switch, early in 2022. And when I say similar to the Switch, we're talking detachable controllers, display out capabilities so that you can play on a TV when you want to, an SD card slot, and although this is different, of course, probably running Android 12, quoting Android police. Qualcomm plans its first foray into the consumer electronics market in years with a device that bears a strong resemblance to Nintendo's wildly popular Switch game console. According to a source familiar with the company's strategy, the Android-powered game console will attempt to showcase the company's Snapdragon chipsets in a less traditional form factor. The device, which we were able to view non-final images of but cannot share, is immediately familiar to anyone who owns a Switch. Detachable Joy-Con-style controllers are on the left and right sides of the core console, which resembles a thicker, bulkier smartphone. There's a good reason for that. The company believes that the added thermal headroom a thicker design affords will make its processor run faster and significantly more efficiently than a modern ultra-thin smartphone. Qualcomm is also using that space to pack in a large 6,000 mAh battery that will be equipped with its quick-charge technology. According to our source, Qualcomm is using a premium supplier in the controller space to design and manufacture the gamepads, though we were unable to verify the name of that supplier. The exact dimensions of the console and its display also weren't made available to us. Like the Switch, Qualcomm's portable will support display-out capabilities to play on an external TV or monitor, though it was unclear if that meant a dedicated port like mini-HDMI or the USB-C charging port that would serve double duty. An SD card slot will also be featured for expandable storage. The console will run Android 12 with a customized launcher and feature full support for Google's suite of Play apps and services. In a promising sign for fans of Fortnite giant Epic, Qualcomm currently hopes to support the Epic Games Store app app on its portable at launch, meaning the long-awaited Android app may finally be nearing its release. Qualcomm also has plans to build its own content portal. It was unclear if Qualcomm was interested in partnering with cloud streaming providers like Google's Stadia or NVIDIA's GeForce Now, though the company's pride in the graphics capability of its own silicon would obviously make local play more of a showcase feature." End quote. Let's do two segments now from the dumb business decisions file. First, Medium is offering buyouts to everyone on its editorial staff as it shifts its focus from doing its own publications in-house to supporting independent writers, a la on a platform. In other words, Medium is pivoting to a Substack-like model again. Because really, the news here is Medium is pivoting again for like the 10th time, quoting Motherboard. On Tuesday night, billionaire Medium CEO and Twitter co-founder Ev Williams sent an email to the entire Medium staff announcing that the company would like employees charged with doing journalism to feel free to quit and that the company would in fact be shifting away from professional journalism altogether. Quote, We are making some changes to our editorial strategy and leadership and giving a voluntary exit option to employees who would like to take a different path, Williams wrote. The move comes less than one month after all Medium employees, including the editorial unit, attempted to unionize and lost by one vote. Employees at the company say that journalists who work at Medium's nine publications were not the initial driving force behind the union, but were some of the most vocal supporters of it. In his email, Williams announced that the company's editorial strategy would be shifting away from a focus on publications, seeking to support some, quote, more focused, high affinity publications, end quote, as part of focusing on, quote, supporting independent voices on our platform, end quote. Over the last several years, Medium... Formerly a blogging platform, has invested heavily in hiring career journalists, writers, editors, and audience development experts to create professional publications with specific editorial missions. Those publications have published high impact work over the years. For example, an investigation by Tech Publication 10 into a surveillance tech executive's attendance at KKK meetings led to his firing. The move feels in some ways to emulate parts of the individual-based strategy that Substack has championed in the past few months, offering to showcase individual writers and provide them with deals and some support. For now, that means, quote, identifying writers and offering them, quote, deals, support, editing, and feedback, end quote. So, wither publications like One Zero that I quote from on the show all the time. Yeah, looks like they're probably going away. And look, I am not a journalist, I respect journalism as a craft and a profession too much to ever claim that mantle, but this is, at this point, a complete crime against the profession of journalism, in my opinion. Medium was a blogging platform, then a publisher, then a writing platform, then a publisher. Again, each time they pivot, in quotes, they jerk professional journalists and writers around, and frankly, no one should ever put up with that again. Ev Williams has been trying to find a business model for writing for 20 years, going back to his founding of Blogger. And in all this time, he still hasn't found a way to do it. I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do, but I am saying maybe no one should ever put their trust in Ev to do it ever again. In the meantime, of course, thanks to Twitter, Ev has become a billionaire. So either he has to go ahead and do the billionaire thing and just start subsidizing writers and journalists himself, or he should stop this experimentation because it's getting ridiculous. The word dilettante is considered a pejorative because it implies that your unseriousness can be harmful to others. And that's basically what I'm saying here. And... Verizon Media Group, owner of such publications near and dear to our hearts once again, such as TechCrunch and Engadget, has decided to rebrand its media franchises as Yahoo products. And then they want to sell subscriptions to some of those products under the branding Yahoo Plus because, I don't know, you've got me. Quoting Axios, Yahoo is the future of our consumer-facing brand, says Joanna Lambert, head of consumer at Verizon Media. Actually, end quote. I'm just going to stop there, because there's really no point to analyze this any further, because this is just dumb. Does Verizon really think that Yahoo has a friendly, valuable brand halo to anyone at this point? What, they thought going with AOL sounded too boomer? Yeah, I can see a play for them to be made with their successful fantasy sports and finance franchises to an extent, but come on. Oh, and going with the plus sign tacked on to the name, that is just, you know, chef's kiss. Are they keeping the exclamation point also? Like, is it Y-A-H-O-O exclamation point plus sign? And let's end today with two items from the interesting C-suite shuffle file. Amazon has apparently announced to employees who will be the new AWS head once Andy Jassy moves from that role into the CEO chair that is being vacated soon by Jeff Bezos, quoting CNBC. Amazon has chosen Adam Salipsky currently CEO of Salesforce-owned data visualization software maker Tableau, to run its Amazon Web Services division. Solipsky is one of the people several insiders had identified as a possible successor to Jassy. The two men have an excellent relationship. A person familiar with the matter told CNBC, Solipsky had held a prominent position inside AWS as vice president for sales, marketing, and support before leaving to run then-public Tableau in 2016. Salesforce bought Tableau for $15.7 billion in 2019. Solipsky joined Amazon all the way back in 2005, a year before that company introduced EC2 and the S3 storage service, and stayed at Amazon for 11 years. Before that, he had been a vice president at Real Networks, end quote. And the coaching and mental health app and, I believe, prolific podcast advertiser BetterUp has announced the Duke of Sussex. Prince Harry has joined the company as its chief impact officer. What is a chief impact officer? I'm going to try my best, quoting The Wall Street Journal. The chief impact officer position is relatively rare in the corporate world, although some companies, including Salesforce, have it. The title is more common in the nonprofit realm at organizations such as Amnesty International and the United Way. Quote, I intend to help create impact in people's lives, Prince Harry said in an email response to questions about why he's taking the job. Quote, proactive coaching provides endless possibilities for personal development, increased awareness, and an all round better life, end quote. In the BetterUp position, Prince Harry is expected to have input into initiatives including product strategy decisions and charitable contributions and advocate publicly on topics related to mental health. It's a meaningful and meaty role, said BetterUp CEO Alexei Robichaud, who said he was introduced to Prince Harry through a mutual friend and began conversations with him last fall, end quote. So I mainly wanted to do this story so I could cram in jokes like these. Here's Annie Carney on Twitter if he gets a work email, what do they do with regards to the issue of his not having a last name? Here's Arnab Ray on Twitter, quote, inspirational immigrant story. The great American dream still lives. Refugee fleeing persecution from his own country makes it big in America based on his own hard labor, end quote. And someone on Twitter, whose name escapes because I forgot to actually fave it, said better up has maybe missed a trick here because they could have taken a page from tesla and named queen elizabeth as i don't know mistress of coin or something nothing really pithy to end with today especially as i don't want to have to follow those jokes so talk to you tomorrow